Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I, of course, am Mr. Warren Hayes, and welcome to my my podcast about professional wrestling, which I record live every Thursday night right here, live, as I said, because I said I record it live, on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. It is a pleasure to be able to talk with you, well, more like towards you, as opposed because it's not like an actual, you know, con, con, uh, we don't have any actual, like, conversation. It's not like talking with someone. It's more like, oh, you know what I mean. I'm glad you guys are here talking professional wrestling. Another big week. We got a lot of stuff potentially to talk about, but, uh, but hey. Hey, this is fantastic. This is what we're doing here tonight. YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Good of everyone to, to pop in and, and join for the live recording right here. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. If you can ever make it, that's a good time. But if you're watching, because if you do, uh, if you do make it, you get to join the very lively, very awesome, friendly chat that we have going uh, and that maintains throughout the entire evening. Again, uh, lots of great people who hang out here, who are here practically every week. And it always, it's, uh, frankly, it's always, it's humbling. It's always cool to see all these faces that we know here. Like Robert Larry, who's here. Good to see you. Tim Traver, good to see you as well. Kelly Tonhes, good to see you as well. We've got Mr. Fretz in the chat as well. Nice to see you. We've got Mr. Fantastic Benoit is here as well. Hello to both of you. Flowman is here. Robert Sterling, WrestlePlug Inc., a.k.a. Pluggo. Uh, who's here? Anakin JMT. Hello, Anakin. We've also got Nick Wolf. Hey, hey. It's a good time. It's fun to see all of you. Thank you all for joining me this evening uh, on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I truly appreciate it. And thank you very much, Nick Wolf, for the very, very generous super chat. I appreciate it. I'll get to it in a little bit. That's a that's a good way, good super chat to kick things off tonight. But I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for joining me this evening. And, um, uh, you know, you can always give the video a thumbs up. Now, here's the thing. Liking a video on YouTube does tremendous, tremendous work on uh, on having the video be discovered organically, get out there, uh, pop into, like, recommended videos and stuff like that. So... If you feel like it, if you want to show, so it's the easiest, simplest way. You just press on the little thumbs up and it helps out a great deal. You can also help out a great deal if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application because uh, the audio is out there as well. A review, a like, a subscription, uh, a follow, like if you're on Spotify, that stuff also helps out a great deal to help the Mr. Warren Hayes uh, show grow. So very, very simple little things that you can do, but are very, very, very appreciated. Um, uh, so there we, so uh, thank you in advance, whether you're watching live, whether you're listening to it later, that stuff always helps. Hey, belttobells.com. You have to head on over there once we're done with this, of course, your women's wrestling wire, Kristen Ashley. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's <laughs> the uh, editor in chief, first lady of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. She conducted an interview with NXT UK superstar Nina Samuels today and just on the cusp just on the cusp of, of um, just very, very much 
on the cusp of learning that Mako Satomura was going to join uh, the NXT UK uh, brand today. We already knew about it, but it made, it was made official today. Uh, Nina just, you know, she said, oh, there's some big things happening. Like she teased us without actually saying what was happening, but she did say something big was coming. And I mean, it's huge. Go check it out. On the YouTube channel, the U, uh, or you can follow Bell to Bells uh, on BellToBells.com. That's B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. Or over on the Twitter uh, thing as well. Uh, fantastic. Uh, please, please, please Ooh, yeah. go check it out. Uh, and and it's on our YouTube page. So if you're not subscribed to the Bell to Bells YouTube, I don't know what you're doing with your life. <laughs> or something. Uh, Saturday morning. You're going to have to come back here. You're going to have to come back here. Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. It's Royal Rumble weekend. I have a prediction show up and uh, not running, but uh, ready to go. Raring to come uh, invade your eye holes and your ear uh, holes. I, ugh, there's things I shouldn't say. Um, and uh, I'm going to be joined this time by the Brothers of Discussion podcast uh two fantastic guys i was on their podcast a little before the holidays had such a fun time with them decided to invite them over for royal rumble because it's a big deal it's their favorite uh wwe pay-per-view of the year it's a favorite paper uh, wwe pape for a lot of folks so 11 a.m eastern uh saturday morning royal rumble prediction show be there or be elsewhere Join the Mr. Warnay's Discord as well. Come and join us after this. Link's in the description or even right now. It's a cool place. It's cool people, cool times. Um, you can also join my Patreon. After we're done here, we do a pre, a post stream for patrons only over at patreon.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. The topic tonight, ah, Royal Rumble predictions. We're going to talk about uh, who you think is going to win the Royal Rumble this year. And when I say you, I mean you, the patrons of the Mr. Warren Hayes show. So if you want to go show some support, some support there and get to call in and or chat with us on the uh, Mr. Warren Hayes, uh, on the uh, Warren is off the clock is what I like to call it. Uh, come and join us. That's fantastic. You can also join the channel here if you want. Get access to some new emojis or drop a super chat as a few people have been doing so far. Uh, and uh, if you drop a super chat while we're here live, I will read your question or comment live on the air such as Anakin JMT who left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. He says, reminder, no more liking Cameron Grimes in his hat. Well, first of all, I don't like being told what to do. Second of all, uh, yeah, uh, there's some, there's some stuff that popped out about Cameron Grimes, uh, over the past couple of days that isn't very, isn't very flattering. Let's put it that way. Uh, not a good look, uh, for Cameron Grimes and, uh, some people should just not be on Twitter. You know what I mean? But then again, it helps us. It helps us. It helps the rest of our, us weed out the bad. When they do end up on Twitter and they do bad Twitter things. Um, uh, 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 um, Mr. Fretz left us a super chat as well. Thank you very much. Says, Warren got any bold predictions? Oh boy, that takes me, that takes me back. Um, the, uh, <laughs> well, uh, here's a bold prediction for you. Godzilla is going to kick the shit out of King Kong. And there is absolutely no way, absolutely no way in a reasonable human being's mind that King Kong can beat Godzilla, a creature of nature's fury with atomic breath, invincible to most shit. There is no way that King Kong, even with a really big stick, 
no way that King Kong can beat Godzilla, okay? And then let's see what happens in the movie. We'll discuss it. But whatever happens, this is the hill that I will that I will die on. It is ridiculous to think that big primate Kong can defeat the king of monsters. Not just not the not the prince, not the archduke, not uh, not even the uh, the uh, the. the the Duke, Duke, Arch, it doesn't matter. And, and like, no, the, the opposable thumbs argument is so stupid. I have opposable thumbs and I lose all the time. It's not a thing just because you can clasp shit. You can take, just because you can make, place things between your index and your thumb doesn't make you some, doesn't turn you into fucking Superman or, or, or Thanos for fuck's sake. You know, thank God Thanos had an opposable thumb. I'll give you that. But then again, he needed a gimmick. To, to take over the universe like he did. It's bullshit. This is like saying, um, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, Primeape can beat Charizard, no problem. What the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> My God, man. <coughs> Want to say hello to... I want to say hello to Cody Fosterling and uh, Injection 2K who arrived and Joshua oh, Firestein yeah. as well. Good to see everyone. Oh, we got more super chats about this, do we? We're not going to get into talking about wrestling just yet, are we? Uh, Nick Wolf left us a super chat. Thank you again, Nick. I'll get to your other one. Trust me. Uh, how about King Kong Bundy? King Kong Bundy versus Godzilla? That did uh, what? Oh, yeah. What? No. Look, the only human who can properly, there's two humans on Earth who can beat kaiju, who can beat giant monsters. That's Minoru Suzuki and Kota Ibushi. Those are the only two that can outright do it. Oh, now, can yeah. they beat Godzilla? I don't think so. Anakin JMD left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Just saying Dragon Zord wasn't based on King Kong. It does, it's that it, no you see you're confusing shit this i'm not saying that it was based on king kong as the godzilla i'd like to see i i, I my listen okay i would like to see king kong take on king ghidorah i'd like to see how king kong could handle that because godzilla did Took him a while, but was able to manage a win. Was able to defeat King Ghidorah. It's come on now. Let's let's get with the program here, folks. Oh, yeah. DGMC left us a couple of super chats. Thank you very much, DGMC. Says King Kong ain't got shit on me, Denzel. Godzilla, Jesus Christ. He continues in another super chat. You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I. When I get finished with you, Denzel Godzilla Washington to the other kaiju. Bless your heart for these crossovers, DGMC. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> let's get to it. Let's get to the... Let's stop the kaiju battle shit. Let's get into the weekly wrestling. This is all Mr. Fretz's...
There we go. Um, we'll we'll start off by reading off uh, Nick Wolf's uh, super chat. Thank you very much. And so I want to touch uh, touch a bit on New Japan before we get into everything proper. Um, uh, Nick Wolf says, uh, Mister Hayes, I've missed the past couple of shows live. Can you uh, give me the final odds of Mister Jamie White? Showing up at Royal Rumble. And they're just as good as Godzilla defeating King Kong. All right, let me stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm done now. Um, the, um, here, 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 here's the thing. There is, what, what are the odds? What are the worst odds? Is it zero? Is zero the worst odds? Because that's what, that's what Jay White showing up in the Royal Rumble odds are. I, I think that I think Jay White has done a fantastic job getting everyone to believe it. I think New Japan played along well, perfectly well with it. But there's no way. There's no way. At the very least, maybe Jay White is like, uh, I'm going to go to New Japan of America because there's nothing left for me to like because everyone hates me in Japan kind of thing. He says, I'm going to try over. Maybe. But frankly, I really do think that they're setting up a Jay White split from Bullet Club, which I think would be a good idea for him. I I could get behind that. I, I, I still feel like he'd need like a manager type, someone to, you know, like a, a, a another Gato, because there's like there's no way Gato is, is splitting from Bullet Club at this point. I don't think. Uh, you never know, though. It'd work in Gato's personality, right? Because he just he just wants to follow who who he who he thinks is money, right? That's why he was Okada's guy for a while, and then he turned on Okada when he started to feel the uh, the wind change. So maybe maybe he's look if he doesn't feel it regarding Jay White anymore, he'll just hit the bricks, right? We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but Jay White in the Royal Rumble? No, I don't I don't think so. Um, earlier this week, well, there, there's been, there's been some, uh, there's been quite a few New Japan shows over the past few days, um, for the uh, New Beginning in Nagoya show, which is happening, uh, this Saturday. Um, one of note that I'd like to talk about is the United Empire. It's not just the Empire now, it's the United Empire, uh, uh um, um, uh, Will Ospreay's new, uh, stable, well, at least the one that he formed, it's not all that new anymore, newish. Uh, they, they, now it's it's referred to as the United Empire. They had a match against Tenkozi. Tenkozi being uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan and uh, Satoshi Satoshi Kojima, excuse me. And um, this was uh, this was set up. Uh, this was set up uh, a, a while now. It was set up at New Year's Dash. It was actually Tenzan's in ring return since doing the stretcher job to Great Okan at New Year's Dash. Uh, the match was uh, was fine. Um, continued setting up their their singles matches that they're having this weekend. Uh, Osprey is taking on uh, Kojima, and Tenzan is uh, is fighting uh, Great Okan, as I mentioned. Um, match was fine. The uh, you know the the uh, the older guys uh, did a did a a, a, a a perfectly serviceable serviceable job. Um, Empire at some point tried to use to use a chair. There's a ref bump, Ooh, yeah. but uh, Tenzan uh, wasn't having any. He was sick of the chairs. He did you know? And he was still pissed off because he did a stretcher job. And who wouldn't be pissed off? So he started wailing the chair on Great Okan. Great Okan 
uh, eats the, the the brunt of it, but then the referee comes around, sees the chair action, calls the DQ. So the United Empire won by DQ. Uh, and uh, so this is all setting up. This was all setting up for the weekend. And here's the thing. You know, I was looking at this and I was going and I was like, you know what? I wish they had done this angle. They, I had done they had done all of this in the lead into Wrestle Kingdom, right? As opposed to like just having um as opposed to just having Great Okan be dropped into a match with with Hiroshi uh, Takahashi for no uh, Tanahashi, excuse me. I have Hiromu on the brain. For no uh for no apparent reason. Um but then but then you know you sort of flip it around and you're like, well, look, this this works. This works out. Empire lost all their matches at Wrestle Kingdom, right? They all so the story basically is like they shot too high, too fast. You know, Osprey versus Okada. My God, what the hell was he thinking? Great Okan versus Tanahashi. What was he thinking? Uh, 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 Jeff Cobb, uh, Shingo. He wasn't ready for Shingo. No, so the Empire wasn't ready. Now what happens? They get into this feud. Uh, and and they're they're rebuilding now. It's like okay, we got to work our way from the bottom. Let's do it, and 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 now they're rebuilding their credibility. Now they want to get back to that place where it's like we're at some point we're all going to be undeniable, and I can get behind it. This is this is fun, interesting storytelling. So I like this. So the, so we're rebuilding. Uh, we're rebuilding the uh, the United Empire moving forward. The, the so this weekend. It, uh, so this weekend we have this card happening a couple of tag team matches I'm going to skip over those outside of the fact that clearly we're continuing to establish a, uh, Okada and Evil as a thing and uh, I think we're going to get more and more teases of Takahashi versus Master Wato which is something I can get behind Hiromu Takahashi versus Wato that should be a lot of fun but uh, the big singles matches as I said Hiroyoshi Tenzan versus Great Okan I don't think there's any question here that Great Okan is winning. Plus, on top of that, there's a stipulation that the loser of this match must stop using the Mongolian chop. I think this telegraphs the ending completely. Great Okan, the the Mongolian chop is part of his offense, you know, and everything he does has is is has um, um, is rooted in 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 Mongolian style wrestling. I guess I don't know how you'd call it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no way Great Okan is not going is is not going over here. Uh, Tenzan should be should do fine. Uh, then we have uh, Kojima Satoshi Kojima versus Will Ospreay again. I'm pretty sure Will Ospreay is going to get a big win here over Kojima. Should be a fun match. Kojima can still go. You know, Tenzan is uh, is a little more uh, not quite as uh, not quite as capable as his uh, tag team partner, but uh, this is this will be a big win for Osprey. Taking taking out uh, Kojima here. Um, it, it, it's a platform moving forward. Uh, Kojima is still his name in Japan still holds a lot of water. So we've got uh, we've got a good one on our on our hands, and I think Osprey is going to be uh, is going to be um, uh, the bene the is going to benefit there you go. from uh, from from a uh, a big win here. And uh, the main event is going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi challenging Shingo. Takagi for the Never Openweight Championship, the workhorse title with the two of the greatest guys in the galaxy. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, there's a lot of 
a lot of stuff. A lot of people like to talk about Chris Jericho being the greatest of all time, and I'm going to lay it out here. I don't think... I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is the greatest of all time. I think there's something to be said about a guy who can still go at his at his age, at the level that he's still going. It's ridiculous, especially after everything that he's been through, especially after basically reinventing New Japan all by himself on his shoulders, having the weight of his company uh, 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 on his back. Uh, this is a legendary, legendary career. He's he's a goat. He's definitely a goat. And, you know, if you have to, if you put a gun to my head, which I hope you don't, FYI, but if you put a, a gun to my head, I really hope that, um, I really hope that, um, <clears throat> that you don't, but if you do, uh, I, I and you 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 have to I have to pick uh, a goat. I'm gonna go with Tanahashi. I, I absolutely will do. J.K. Schwal left us a super chat. Thank you very much to Shingo Tana this weekend. Yes, please, Mike. There is so much wrestling this weekend, guys and gals. It blows my mind. We have the New Japan show. We've got Royal Rumble, and then we have GCW. It's having the Fight Forever show. 24 hours of, of wrestling. And it's free. It's being offered for free up on, uh, on your YouTube channel and I think on Fight as well. Um, just to get the indie boys and girls working again. I'm very happy to have been able to sponsor the event. Because... Uh, one of the good things with how I with the sponsorship that I that I got involved in is that the money goes directly to the wrestlers, and I'm super happy that I was that I'm able to uh, to do, to have contributed to that show. I you know I I you know I keep saying it, uh, you, you know, the, talking with wrestlers, knowing how difficult 2020 was uh, for a lot of indie wrestlers. For me, there was uh, you, you always think about ways to help this, and so gives them a chance to do to go out do what they love perform uh and uh and get some money for it and continue to make a living doing off of uh doing uh, make a live and make a living off of wrestling you know whenever you get the opportunity to do it that's fantastic so looking forward to that i mean look this weekend is just wall-to-wall wrestling that's on top of the stuff that i probably even haven't heard of you know so, uh, so yeah, we've got a lot of choice this weekend. There's definitely something for, for you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying, but it's everything make a better place for you and for me. Cesaro versus Dolph Ziggler definitely makes SmackDown Live on Friday nights a better place for everyone. Look. I, I went into here, I went here, and I was like, hang on a second. Yeah, I saw people going, watching Ziggler and Cesaro and going, this is surprisingly good. And I'm like, why is it surprising? Why is it surprisingly good? Why is Dolph Ziggler versus, why is Dolph Ziggler versus Cesaro a surprisingly good match? Because you have two fantastic technical wrestlers who are putting on a true-to-form wrestling match it, it, right then and there. And the careers that both of these guys have had, they're both so sound, terribly sound wrestlers. So I'm like, look, the only reason that I have to explain this is you can, it's creative's fault. If we're at a point where 
we're surprised that Dolph Ziggler puts on good matches. It's booking. It's creative. Dolph has always been good. And Dolph has always pulled things out in the clutch. Cesaro is Cesaro. He's, a, uh, he's you know, one of these guys that will always wonder what his prime would have been like because we missed it because he was misused in WWE. He was never left to be, you know, ROH Claudio Casignoli. He was just like, just there and being tossed into nonsensical angles and doing all sorts of weird shit. It's, it's, a, it's fascinating to me that we get Dolph and Cesaro on a Friday night and they put on a good match and people are shocked. And I think that it has nothing to do with the talent. It has everything to do with the way WWE books shit. I, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that people enjoyed the match because it was a good match. It was, uh, without a question, the best match of last Friday. But it's just what I see. Wow, this is surprisingly good. No, the elements are all there. Cesaro and Dolph, you give them more than five minutes to wrestle? Yeah, you've got yourself something here. Noob, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. So... Move on from Cool Beans. Let's get some warm soda going. The Obstacle Course. Now, I will semi-eat crow. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It, I'll give them that much. The Last week, I was not excited at the prospect of the Obstacle Course. Thought it was stupid, so on and so forth. But in execution, I will concede that it was not as bad as I was expecting it to be. It was actually well executed. I think it didn't do too much. It did just enough. Didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, you know, I like the little swerve where uh, with Chad Gable and Otis. I mean, that there was something very holy shit seeing Bianca Belair carrying Otis on her back, right? I mean, we've got, we've, we're all in agreement. We're in agreement here, aren't we? It was, that was stunning. I'm like, oh. But, you know, the reason why I can't, the reason why I can't go all in on it and be like, yeah, this was great, is because, and folks, Hey, you know, broken record Warren Hayes here. Folks, we don't need obstacle courses on a pro wrestling show to determine superiority. Oh, yeah. We need professional wrestlers wrestling each other in their already comp com competitive environment, excuse me, to show their superiority. Anything else is ultimately nonsense. And there's no reason for us to have been wasting our time watching it. Let Bianca wrestle. Bianca Belair will get over if she wrestles fools. Without having to do shenanigans like this. Just, just have us a match with Bianca. That Pull someone out of the PC. Have her squash her. Well, we had Sasha Banks beat up us, a guy from uh, Cirque du Soleil. 
later on in the evening. Why isn't Bianca Belair having competitive matches? Why is it like, oh well, <laughs> let's see how fast you are. How quick can you climb this wall? It's, I can't, that's a part I can't get over. The segment wasn't bad, but it's still a bad idea for the wrestling show. I watch wrestling because I want to see people wrestle. I don't want to see them may have make paper airplanes and have paper airplanes wrestling. God damn, I hope no one in creative is listening to this right now and suddenly thinks this is a good idea. I'm sorry if I threw that out into the universe and it materializes, folks. I I I I apologize. Because no, Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. And he says, eat all the crow war and it was amazing. No, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not eating. I'm eating a, a portion, a, 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 a portion controlled amount of crow because I don't want all that, um, all, all those crow carbs <laughs> into my body too much. So like we're, we're having a, 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 you know, a sensible portion of crow, but I'm not eating all of it. Because I can't, because the, the day that WWE stops doing this, this type of nonsense is the day they will become another, a great wrestling show again. It's, it's really, it's really, really, really that simple. Um, and one thing I find, here's one last thing, and I don't think people are talking enough about. Does this mean that Otis is a heel now? Because... Okay, so Chad Gable is is on. He's he is a bit of a heel, right? He's you know taking advantage of Otis and being a bit of a jerk, and you know it made sense for Chad Gable to help Bailey out because you know he's a bit of a rat, and that's fine. But Otis Otis completely allowed himself oh, yeah. to get involved in this situation. You know he he was probably told. You know we're gonna we're gonna screw Bianca Belair over, and was he like, oh yeah, and then doing that weird thing that he does with his hips? Was that it? Is is he a heel now? So, you know, Otis Dosevich, who, you know, at this stage last year, at this very moment last year, was involved in the best fucking angle in the company, and was super relatable, and everybody loved him. At this point now, he's just a dick. Come on. Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much. Says as long as the portion of Crow is what Arya Stark served Walder Frey. Uh, folks, I would like someone to screen cap this and put this out on the internet. Just, you know, for the for public record that Anakin JMT wants me poisoned and dead. I think this, this is it. You know, where uh, I'm being, I, I, there, there's been, there's been, uh, there's uh, threats to my life and my livelihood. It's out of control. <laughs> but thank you for the super chat. <laughs> um, let's keep the. I'll keep this one in warm soda category because it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Um. It, the Adam Pierce, Paul Heyman stuff. Here, here, here's the thing. 
the, at the start of the show, you have Adam Pierce, right, insulting Paul Heyman in an in-ring thing because smack because WWE can't start a, rest, a fucking wrestling show with with a wrestling match. So there's you know, and and uh, so he insults Pierce insults Heyman, and Roman Reigns is there and he says. Uh, you gonna do something about this? He's disrespecting you, and Heyman's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fight you later." And then there's, uh, you know, things happen. We get to the main event: Adam Pierce versus Paul Heyman. Pierce hits the ring. Heyman fakes an injury coming down. He's like, "Ooh, you know, kind of like what Adam Pierce did the week before when he faked an injury to replace his, uh, to get Kevin Owens as his replacement for the Royal Rumble match." Uh, but then. Um, so Heyman announces that Roman Reigns is going to be his replacement. Roman Reigns comes down. He super punch, Superman punches uh, Pierce, low blows him. And then Kevin Owens comes out for the save uh, to, to save Adam Pierce. Now, I don't think this was bad. I There's always something that really annoys me when your main, when the main event is an angle. I, it, it, I, if you're, you know, if you're not going to start your match, your show, excuse me, with a wrestling match, at least fucking end it with a wrestling match, you know? But I mean, the the angle was okay. I thought everyone did their jobs right. But what was I, I do you remember what I was talking about? Just a couple of, like last week when they did the whole Adam Pierce swerve thing. And I was ta- talking about red herrings and shit like that. Why? And I was saying, and I remember distinctly saying, they should have held on to the Adam Pierce thing right to Royal Rumble and then have Kevin Owens run in to save him from being destroyed, from being beaten down, save him from the match. Huge reaction from everyone. Everyone would have been happy. And this is exactly what they did. But on a Friday night and everything was already set in stone for Kevin Owens and stuff, why not just hold on to the angle to Royal Rumble then? It would have been, I really think it would have been a lot more interesting. Because they did it. They did. They had Kevin Owens run in to save Adam Pearce. They could have done exactly that at Royal Rumble. Kevin Owens is back. What is he doing here? And he has a contract, whatever. And he's like, hit the bricks, Pearce. And then we get the match, you know, and, and you know, excitement is uh, it's all the way up here. And and, and and KO and, and Roman Reigns have a great last man standing match. And I don't know. I this it it didn't do it for me. You know, it's it's not as if they have to advertise big names for the pay-per-views because they have to sell them at uh, 60 bucks a pop anymore, but you know. But anyway, it's just weird. Let's move on to some hot trash. The women's match on Raw that started off that was supposed to be Charlotte versus Shayna and then it morphed into too many people. It was poorly booked. The whole thing was poorly booked. From the moment that it became a singles match then it turned into a six-man tag from that weird thing that happened to transition through the commercial... It was all weird. It was a complete mess is what it was. It was not a good match. Mandy Rose hits a fucking V-trigger, though, to Lacey Evans. Was it Lacey? Yeah, it was Lacey Evans. But everyone had their hand in making this, this match messy. But we have to have... 
we have to have an honest conversation about Nia Jax. Okay? And I... And, 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 and... There's things that that I feel I have to be careful of because there's a degree where I think Nia Jax gets a lot of ill will and poor reactions because of prejudice. Let's call it that. Because of her lineage, because she's a woman, I would concur that some reactions out there are a little, little too off the wall. So maybe, you know, maybe the base reflection, reflex, excuse me, is uh, women's wrestling sucks. And now we have like this ambassador for terrible women's wrestling in Nia Jackson. We're just going to beat on her. And to me, whether she's a woman, whether she's, uh, whether uh, whoever she's related from, whatever her, her lineage, it doesn't matter. I think objectively speaking, objectively speaking she is awful she can't sell she can't throw punches she's not mobile she uh, she has n- no energy she, she she all she exudes is apathy she never seems glad to be there you know there's a way to convey um confidence or like this uh, or apathy without actually looking apathetic you know like there's a way to transfer that energy and she doesn't i i believe her to be the worst wrestler out there currently in north america who who appears on a weekly uh cable wrestling show I don't think there's anyone worse than Nia Jax in a world where we have so many talented people. She systematically drags everyone down and there is nothing that she doesn't give back. It's always a one way streak with her and she doesn't try. And of course, the main the the main thing here. And, and I think this is one thing that we all have to agree on is that she is prone to injuring her opponents. I've, I've seen people come to her defense and say, wrestling is, wrestling is a rough sport. Sure, but there are also ways to protect your opponents so that the rough sport doesn't end up with people getting legitimately injured because that's the point of pro wrestling. It's simulated combat. That's the point. Simulated. Yes, accidents happen. But when you have a history, which which goes down with uh, 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 Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, and almost derailing Becky Lynch's enormous push, uh, Kyrie Sane, Ember Moon, Bailey, costing Bailey a, a, a match at SummerSlam, a shot at Alexa Bliss's title raw title charlotte flair hurting charlotte flair twice in the same match she's sloppy she steps behind she drags everything down i do not see what wwe sees in her they have on their roster right now powerhouse women who are sincerely talented 
And I mentioned this last week when I was talking about uh, Impact Wrestling, when I was talking about their pay-per-view. Jessica Havoc is probably what WWE perceives Nia Jax to be. But Jessica Havoc is actually a talented wrestler who trains and who knows what she's doing. The one thing, now, if you leave the Mr. Warren Hayes show tonight and you want to go argue that Nia Jax is not a good wrestler, I beg of you, focus on the observable, quantifiable facts that exist out there. Whether she's a woman or a man, frankly, in my, I can't speak for anyone, for everyone, excuse me. I can speak for myself, but I can't speak for everyone. And there will be, Assholes who will have their own agendas, their own narratives, but we objectively speaking, and I don't care whether she's a woman or a man, objectively speaking, from this point on, I will, I believe that Nia Jax is the absolute worst wrestler on a major national wrestling promotion right now. So if you do go out there, focus on what is tangible, what is real. It doesn't matter. Everything else, the fact that she's the Rock's cousin, the fact, it, none of it is, that's unsubstantial. The substantial fact is that every time she's in the ring, she brings the matches down. She drags women down with her, her other, her opponents, her teammates. She's not good. She's not entertaining on the mic. Now I am convinced she has wonderful qualities. This is not a slight against Nia Jax, the human being. You know, I had a, I had a dentist years ago who was a very nice guy, but was terrible at his job. And you can tell. A hell of a nice guy. Oh, there you go. That's that's my piece. On the Nia Jack stuff. Jason PS3, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Oh, okay. The Alexa Bliss stuff. God bless you if if you enjoy this. And frankly, and I I'm I don't want to sound facetious because honestly, if you do enjoy what they've been doing with Alexa Bliss over the past couple of weeks, um, I'm happy for you, because uh, ultimately it's it's it, it, it. There's nothing awfully wrong about it. It's not you know. It's not Jeff Hardy being put in uh, being put in a, in an alcoholism angle or anything really offensive. It's just it's just so good. I just think it's bad. I think, and coming from a guy who likes. The, the the Fiend stuff and the Bray Wyatt stuff. You guys, if you're longtime listeners, you know that I really dig it. I love the Firefly Funhouse. Magic Christ, I did a whole video on it. I, I'm, I like it, but it's too much. And your angles, your storylines that you create as a WWE creative guy or gal, they're not, they should never they should never overcome the story of a match. 
And the problem now is that the Alexa Bliss stuff on, at least on Monday, and even the Monday before that, it didn't enhance what was happening in ring. It slowed down the pace. It made the whole thing rough. It made a, it, it makes the opponent, <coughs> in this case, Asuka, look like a moron, and it devalues what's going on, a WWE Raw Women's title match. So the story doesn't enhance the reason we're watching. It just creates this whole extra layer of, my God, what am I watching? So, and I, I can't get mad at anyone who enjoys this because I can get it. I understand why some people w- would enjoy it. But as it stands, as it stands, for me, it is too much. It is too much. Even the Fiend, the Fiend stuff doesn't, doesn't even become as intrusive as what the Alexa stuff has been, has been doing. Because the Fiend is going to come down in the Fiend mask and he's going to wrestle as the Fiend and he's going to be the Fiend, 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 Fiend. Gonna be like, or if Bray comes out, he's going to wrestle as Bray and his cardigan, not his cardigan, but his, uh, his woolen sweater and he's going to be Bray, 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 Bray. It's so weird to me. Like, it's really, really weird. But like I said, I am not going to sit around and say everyone stinks, you know, you're wrong for liking this. But I'll tell you one thing. This is one of the reasons which makes it so difficult to watch WWE and and which takes us away from the fact that we're supposed to be watching a wrestling program. And I think WWE is kind of at a... I, starting to feel like it's coming towards a crossroads. Let's put it that way, where it's going to have to decide whether whether it's it still wants to do simulated combat or if it wants to do something else, you know? It, it, that's that's the only thing. If if the if the story breaks up a match, breaks up the flow of a match, becomes bigger than the story you're trying to tell in the match, you're 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 just completely off. You're off of what a wrestling match is. There you go. Tom Tanyan, Tanyan, Tom Tanyan, welcome to the chat, good to see you. Folks, we are at the part of uh, the Mr. Warren Hayes show where, uh, unfortunately, once again tonight, we are uh, we are going to have to talk about, um, quite unfortunately, uh, more careers being killed by AEW. Got a few of those. Yep. We've got more, more careers that were executed last night on AEW Dynamite. Listen, it started with Kenny Omega weeks ago, right? When uh, months ago, when Alan Angels had a match with him, and then Danny Limelight and the uh, Limelight and the Varsity Blondes last uh, two weeks ago uh, that destroyed Kenny Omega's career. Then Nick Camarado destroyed, completely buried John Moxley's career. It's done. And now this week, you know, AEW, not to be outdone, decided to go to double it up and go all the way 
and Barry in two matches took the illustrious career of Chris Jericho and the budding career of MJF in, 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 in a tag match and then Hangman Page completely destroyed. Career done. Open up the casket, pushes sad cowboy corpse into it and bury it. Ryan Nemeth uh, was all over, gave too much offense. Too much offense for Ryan Nemeth. Not enough for Hangman Page. All these people's careers are dead. Don't know if you noticed. Kaput. We're done. AEW can't, it doesn't build stars. It pretends to build them and then just, just kills them off. Starts having them fight jabrones and the jabrones get too much offense in. So of course that means that everyone is terrible and there's no real stars. This is what it means. Of course. <laughs> Look, of course, this is all in jest, right? It's just, it's so funny to see these reactions that that a lot of people have when when these matches happen, when these established stars wrestle uh, up and comers or you know new guys, new gals. And they're like, they're giving up too much offense. They're ruining them. Their career is done. Kenny Omega is done. John Mox is done. I don't want to harp too much on it because I I just may, mostly wanted to just underscore this and have another take the piss again on that. But just keep in mind, folks. Keep an open mind. There are different ways to book wrestling shows. It's not a one-size-fits-all one formula. And you can try out different things. And to me, giving a chance for un unknown, undiscovered, well, discovered, but unknown, unproven talent. There we go. Getting a chance to wrestle super established stars on TV. That is critical experience for those wrestlers moving forward. And I think that is smart. And it is smart for wrestling companies to allow these unknowns to be known at the same time and again like i mentioned if AEW does go down the uh does go down the uh, long-term storytelling uh, sports-centric storytelling nick camarado in like five years we don't know where he's going to be but let's say his career is starting to shape up and he's ready for it maybe he'll want a rematch against john moxley and we can hearken back to the, the match that they had last week. People will be like, oh yeah, I remember. And that's how the stories write themselves. That's when you don't need people shooting fireballs at each other to try and get your stories over if you take the time to build them like that. Like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, hey, let's do, uh, let's do some cool beans. Uh, Jungle Boy versus Dax Harwood was so good. It was so, so good. I love this match. It was match of the night, regardless what anyone tries to tell me. This was great. I, I'm a big, big Jungle Boy fan. Not going to lie. Uh, and this was really good. Um, and and uh, Dax completely could hold his own. And you know what I like? 
And I'll tell you what I like here. This is what it makes sense for Dax to lose. Because Dax, Dax Harwood is his is a tag team specialist. That's what he is. He's a guy who has built his career working with another guy so that they can be the top tag team in the world. So I appreciate that despite the fact that he puts on a hell of a performance in a singles match that he can't quite do it because he's a tag guy. And it's one of the old school things that I latch on to. Like, it, you know, I'm all about progress, changing things up, but but there's something to me in the pure logic, the pure psychology of professional wrestling that doesn't quite make sense to me when singles guys become a tag team and go and defeat an established tag team. And the same, the, the same goes when they split up and become, uh, when they split or do singles matches, the tag team guys have to have a rougher time against the singles guys. It just, like, it makes sense. So I appreciate all this. And then the angle after, it, it was great. I thought every, fucking old school powder, Tully Blanchard, grabbing the powder, throwing it into Luchasaurus's face. And then Cash and Dax, they all over, Luchasaurus and and uh, and uh, uh, Jungle Boy held uh, Tully Blanchard hits a spot and on a triple team and, um, and then the they they uh, FTR cut the horns off of Luchasaurus's mouth and I was wondering for a second and I got I was wondering for a second if they were going to snip the mask off because you know you know that like I mentioned on the pre-show uh, yesterday. You know, FTR, you know, they're the purists, the the wrestling purists' favorite wrestlers, right? They like them because they are old school wrestling. So I was wondering, are they really going to go all the way and be like, you know what? I am sick of your fucking mask. Stop pretending and then snip it off. I would have been, but they didn't go that way. And, and I'm not disappointed. I was just wondering how far they were ready to go because that would have been a hell of a talking point. I could have probably spent the entire show today just talking about, the implications of this <laughs> that would have been that would have uh, been something um but um but instead they snipped off the the horns from the mask uh marco stunt ran in with um ran in with uh, uh, uh scu and top flight i don't know if anyone could confirm that top flight uh has been signed or not but he ran in with with them because marco was injured and it's little marco stunt and I was like, man, it's taking Marco so long to run out. But he was probably like, I like the idea that it took him so long because he was probably running around backstage trying to get people to come help him out. You know, I, I thought like, it made sense to me that it took him time to to do the run in. But he chased everyone off. That that's a good hot wrestling angle. I have there's that's how you build. That's how you build uh, anticipation. This was good. Perfect amount of chaos. FTR gets their heat back despite losing. That's how you do it, man. You don't have to 50-50 people all the time. Colby Faria, welcome to the chat. Uh, so that was good. I like that. Uh, let's talk about the, the 
AEW Women's Championship uh, 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 Eliminator Tournament. We got a little. We we were we were given a little more, uh, a few more breadcrumbs this week. Just a, a little more stuff. Uh, it was announced that we are going to be getting one of the matches that we are going to be getting. We don't know yet when. What they said coming soon, but we are getting NWA Women's World Champion Serena Deeb, Deeb versus Rio. <coughs> Excuse me, Rio, who will be making her return to AEW. Exciting. This is what in the business they refer to as a good shit pal. I don't know if you, uh, I, I think that if you're not excited at the prospect of Rio returning to AEW, I think if you're not excited about it, you probably don't like puppies. You probably hate Christmas. You probably never call your mother, despite the fact that she sighs deeply within her chest next to your father every night as they watch Jeopardy, wondering what it is you're doing. And yet she still keeps a, a light on for you, making sure that you're not forgotten, despite the fact that she feels that maybe you've forgotten her. You're probably that kind of person. If you're not excited for Rio coming back. <laughs> um, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Now, the the biggest breadcrumb that they that they gave us, uh, that they gave us is Tony Schiavone saying very like flippantly, he said, on the US side of the bracket, we're getting Rio and and um and Serena Deeb. On the U.S. side of the bracket. Now, we had been speculating since the announcement last week that there was going to be one side that was going to be uh, American wrestlers and the other side would probably be Japanese. But it goes beyond that, right? It's like, now clearly it looks like there's going to be a bracket that's going to be established on U.S. soil and a, the other bracket, it was heavily implied anyway last night, is probably going to be uh, in, on Japanese soil. Now that's very, very interesting to me. Um, I, I think, like, I think, it, again, wasn't confirmed, but my God, it was heavily implied. Now, if I'm a betting man, I'm not, but if I were a betting man, I would not bet on AEW working with stardom I wouldn't work with, uh, wouldn't bet of uh, working with any promotion. In fact, if I were a betting man, I would see, I would say that they are going to use the talent that they already have over there. So we'll probably be seeing, um, uh, we'll probably be seeing Emmy, Emmy Sakura again. We'll probably be, we'll probably see uh, uh, Yuka Sakazaki again, which uh, fine by me, you know. Uh, I would assume. Taping over there, probably with some other freelancers. That would be, ultimately, that would be my guess. But I don't expect them, like I don't expect them to strike up a deal with anyone. Maybe outside of some wrestlers that Emmy wants to push because Emmy's trained a bunch of girls over there. Uh, you know, she probably has people that she'd want to put forward, but... Like, I don't think, 
I don't think, you know, Mayu or Momo are going to be involved in this. At least, I mean, it's a gut feeling. It's my prediction. I don't think it's going to suck. But I, I, I think, you know, they're going to do something separate over there. Mostly freelancers. They'll probably put over their own talent. We'll see how it goes. Um, but the main question, the main, main, main question that I still have ongoing and that I feel we're getting closer to this is that where are they going to air the matches? How are they going to put this on TV? And I'm afraid, not afraid, I'm convinced at this point that they are going to do another YouTube show exclusively for this and it's going to suck if they do that because once again, they have an opportunity to make their women's division come off as a big deal and they're, you know, and I'm afraid that they're not going to put any other matches on primetime television, on the flagship show, on Dynamite, and we're going to end up having to turn to YouTube, and the women are going to be like, oh, well, we have our own show, when in fact, it's literally AEW being like, well, we've got, you know, we, we have to put three Kenny Omega, uh, we have to put three Kenny Omega Young Bucks uh, 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 Good Brother segments on tonight, so sorry, girls, no room for you tonight. That's the only thing that's grinding my gears. I'm... I'm anticipating what they're going to do. We'll see, but just keep this in mind. And my God, it's the simplest thing. If you treat something as a B show or as a side attraction, your audience will always perceive it as the B show or a side attraction. You treat it seriously, people are going to take it seriously. If you never give a chance for the women to really shine on the main stages, they'll never shine on the main stages. That's all I will say about that. And that, folks, is how we wrap up this week's wrestling... Uh, wrestling? Yes, we, we wrap up wrestling, all right. The Weekly Wrestling Inspection! If you haven't already, give the video a thumbs up if you're watching live on YouTube or whenever you're watching on YouTube, because I appreciate it. That'd be nice. It's good things. I like I like talking. I like I, I like seeing the likes because then I'm like, hey, they like that like. Thank you very much. And if you have already, thank you twice as much because I didn't have to ask you again. I'm kidding. On Monday this week, World Wrestling Entertainment, also known as Big Vinny's House of Big uh, Oily Dudes, announced that they were uh, that they were transferring the WD WWE Network over to the Peacock streaming service. Uh, that's right. Uh, that was announced, uh, a bit like out of completely out of left field. U.S. streaming rights will all, uh, will all happen on Peacock moving forward. The WWE Network, as we know it today, shutting down in March. 
Uh, they struck up a deal with NBC Universal, one billion dollars for five years. Let me say that again: one billion dollars for five years uh, is the uh, is the amount that's being reported of this deal. Um, now. It came out of left field just because no one was talking about it and it's like, um, you know, no one saw it really happening. There were no rumors, whatever, but uh, it's been about a year since we've heard talk about WWE's um, um, inclination to sell off the, uh, the streaming rights from the network to someone else, right? There were, you'll remember last year, there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk of a deal being set before WrestleMania 36, um, and uh, Brandon Thurston over at uh, on WrestleNomics. By the way, and I will say this every week: if you're into the rating stuff, if you're into the business side of wrestling, uh, there there's not a lot of people more informed or clearer on their expect uh, explanations or who follows it more closely than Brandon Thurston. Follow Brandon on, on, on Twitter. Never mind anyone else when it comes to ratings analysis. You, you stick with Brandon. You get the most objective and historically uh, 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 percep the, the most historical perception of, uh, of, of, uh, of ratings and, 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 uh, and the business side of professional wrestling. So please, 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 please elevate your game. Follow Brandon. So I'm talking about Brandon because he pointed out that um, it was practically a year to the day when the sale happened. Practically a year to the day that George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, co uh, co presidents of uh, WWE, were relieved of their duties uh, and started basically this chain reaction. And as you I'll probably know by now George Barrios and Michelle Wilson were the architects of uh, of the uh, WWE Network years ago. So, um, so, so yeah. So basically, um, the network for the past few years, for the past couple of years, uh, had not seen any real growth as far as subscribers went. Uh, it wasn't exactly attaining the uh, the expectations that it had like great growth in the first couple of years but had clearly been stagnating dipping a little over the past couple of years um and um this was probably a very good moment for to unload it now a lot a lot of questions come out of this and uh, a lot of um, um a, a lot of questions come out of this and you know what like the first and one of the first ones is what does Peacock get out of this? Well, subscribers. Um, it was announced that all current WWE Network uh, subscribers would be migrated towards uh, towards Peacock. Now, is that uh, how is that going to happen? Is it going to be um, is it going to be a a a a, 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 a simple uh, transition? Is it going to be done all automatically? We don't know at this point, but we do know that all uh, accounts, all uh, WWE Network accounts are going to be transferred over to 
um, uh, over to Peacock. So essentially, Peacock is gaining uh, 1.1 million subscribers, 1.1 American subscribers, right? I think their number is more around 1.8, 1.9. The rest are international. The international uh, network is still going to operate as it is. All these changes are really taking place in the United States. Um, so right now, Peacock has 26 million subscribers. So they're 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 basically uh, short term. That's some that's some growth right there. It's like just an extra mill. Uh, right there. I think this is good for fans. Like, I don't see how, I don't see how this is a bad thing because for either essentially, uh, essentially the, um, uh, either for the, uh, half the price or, f or of what you're paying right now for the network or for full price, you're still hanging on to the WWE network stuff. But on top of that, you're getting all, you're getting all the peacock stuff as well. So quite frankly, uh, that's, um, that's a good deal. And I don't know who, who would be mad about that as a consumer. It's a, it's a good deal. It's something where you're like, this, this is clearly, this is clearly an, 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 an up test, right? Um, will, um, but I'm going to tell you, as for me, the only thing I'm worried about, the only thing I'm really, really worried about is the status of the archives. That's what I'm worried about. Because on my end, I subscribe to the network for the archives. That's why I'm there. That's, to me, it's not the pay-per-views. Um, there was a time when I was there for NXT. Nah, not the case anymore. For me, it's being able to go back, watch old pay-per-views, get some old ECW stuff, um, Mid-South, mid uh, Smoky Mountain, NWA, all that stuff. That's all, that for me, that that for me is what I'm excited about. Um, so, so basically, uh, so basically for... Um, so basically for, for the, um, that, that's only something that once it's executed, we'll really be able to have an answer as it stands. Right. But I'm not going to lie. This is the one thing I'm most worried about because I, you know, it's again, something that I talk about quite a bit on the show. You should never leave the archival of history up to a corporation. You know, WWE has been buying tape libraries from promotions for years and years and years. Yes. It's wonderful that we all have access to them. But ultimately, if you leave these in, you know, you don't leave archival, you don't leave the, the 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 concept of archiving to corporations. Corporations have no have no invested value in making archives accessible. Their job is to make money, and if their content isn't making money for them, well, then they they can pull it, they can sell it, they can do whatever they want with it. Um, but we'll see. Look. I, I don't want to be a doomsayer. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it is something to think about. Anakin JMT left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin JMT. Says it, uh, that's only if 1.1 million network subs don't already subscribe to Peacock. Fair. It's except it's expected new subs will be less than 900k. Okay. Interesting that they uh, made that evaluation. I don't know how they figured that one out, but okay. 
Um, now, is this going to represent growth for the WWE Network? Um, I, no, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is making, because I've seen that. So it's like, is it going to create... Is it going to create more new subscribers for Peacock? Again, um, it's hard to say. Like, what's the incentive for um, for the uh, what's the incentive for WWE to continue driving subscriptions to Peacock? Like, uh, you know, what do they get out of this? There's probably something in the in the payment structure. Uh, that exists that, you know, whenever your content is viewed over a certain percentage, well, then you get returns on it, probably. But then again, they also have a, they also have a fixed licensing fee going here. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's that much of a growth thing. At least it'll be a short-term one once they get all these subscribers migrated. But it's not, you know, I, if, if it was going... If it was that much of a vehicle for growth, WWE wouldn't be trying to sell off the network right now. So I don't know how much growth there is, uh, what, what what there is there. So so that's it. The question is like, is this a good idea? Is this something? Is this something interesting that 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 we should do? That 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 should have been done? Is this is this good? Well, I mean, it's good for WWE. It's unquestionably good for WWE. Two like roughly, and it's not exactly that, but two hundred million dollars a year is what WWE is going to be getting just for licensing their content. Nick Khan, who was the new president of of uh, WWE and who clearly spearheaded the um, the transaction, uh, basically took something in WWE that was that was not a vector for growth and made it into a money making venture. Uh, it, if you consider, if you consider that they're making $200 million a year and that the last time WWE reported that their network expenses, well, not reported, but the last time that the network expenses were implied by WWE, if you go back to 2017, the last time that their expenses related to the network were, were estimated it was at 141 million dollars in expenses um and the revenue that they were making was always around 200 million like in 2017 they had made 100, 198 million 2018 199 2019 it dipped to 185 186 that was our estimation for that was an estimation for 2020 um so if if the expenses were always around, let's say 140, 145, 150, it's always been profitable for WWE. But you could probably expect that getting rid of the network will probably mean the lightening the burden of running the network. So we'll probably cut down on expenses. So they're cutting down on what it costs to run the network, but they're essentially going to be making the same amount of money and that money is going to be guaranteed. They don't have to wait for subscribers. They don't have to make sure that no one unsubs. It's a fixed amount that they're making. Now, we don't know how much really the expenses are going to be cut down, probably not until Q2 this year. 
because that's when because um uh you know the the peacock deal is going to start in March. Well, we, yeah, we might get something at uh at uh, for the Q1 financial call maybe but it'll still be very early but you know we'll see we'll we'll see how that's how that's going to develop but i clearly see wwe here making a lot more money licensing its content and again like you know it's an interesting question to be like is this a good move by by nbc you know i Sometimes I don't think we all fully realize the value of uh, of live content on television. Live content becomes a an excuse, becomes a reason for people to tune in. I'm not going to sit around and tell you how people have people's habits have changed. Uh, people habits have changed so much since they've been uh, since there's been streaming services and cutting. Uh, cable, uh, cutting their cable uh, subscriptions and whatnot. I'm not gonna. Uh, you guys have all heard heard the 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 arguments at this point in your lifetimes. I'm sure. Live programming, like sports, especially, is an incentive. is is the only way you can get people to sit down at a specific hour to watch a specific thing other than recording it and a lot of times if you miss the live thing it, there there's a general uh, feeling that well if I'm not going to watch it live I'm not going to watch it because I'll have missed it kind of thing because it was live and it feels like I'm just going back in time to something that's already happened you know not a lot of people go back and watch a football game from two weeks ago just because they missed it you know what I mean so there's value there there's value for uh for advertising because you're truly creating a captive audience that is sitting down to watch. You get a better, a much better understanding of your demographic. Um, uh, on that, that's why that's why live sports is such a moneymaker right now for uh, for television. And I want to say hello to Kristen Ashley who just popped in. Hello, Kristen Ashley, first lady of the Mr. Warren Show. Long-time viewers of the Mr. Warren Hayes show will know back in the day when I was doing this in another locale and I was doing raw review, raw raw post shows and SmackDown post shows. I've been saying this for a while. WWE does not consider itself to be a wrestling company anymore. It's a media company, a media. Now we have the absolute proof here. Well, we had the proof with 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 what with the Fox deal, but it's it's even uh, it's even more. It's even clearer here. They're um, they're they they're a company that license content. To broadcasters. That's what they do. That's where their money is. So I can't help but wonder. Oh, um, excuse me. Kristen Ashley doo -doo -doo -doo, is here in the chat, but down. Was that it? Well, if anything, you get you have a second theme song now. Um, so uh, <laughs> so if anything, um, I'm wondering what the future of house shows 
is moving forward. Because since 2016, the the average attendance at main roster house shows dropped by had dropped by 22 percent uh, by the end of 2019. Um, the, like an average attendance of 6,300 people to an average of 4,900. Uh, even before. COVID ravaged everything at the start of 2020 at their first earnings call. WWE had said that they were, they had decided to cut back on house shows. And I think now more than ever, you, you ask yourself, why go back to a ruinous venture in your business that does nothing to your core business, which is licensing content now? Why would you run house shows if you can't if you can put it on TV, keep running Raw, keep running SmackDown, NXT, that's fine. But, uh, but as it stands, house shows have nothing to give. Unless, let's say you do you do the Christmas show at Madison Square Garden, the Starcade event. If it's events, big events you run, and that you can create content for the network, it makes sense. But. If you're no longer a wrestling promoter and you're no longer running house shows, why would you run house shows? Ooh, if it yeah. means that you're not, if you're, if it means that you're doing shows that don't generate value for your principal business proposal, like not even merch sales are affected by the lack of house shows. WWE shop hit record highs in Q3 last year. They're not. They're missing out on zero revenue. House shows are are there. They cost WWE money to run. Now, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the? Uh, do you want to hear the Canadian socialist here? You want to hear him? You want to hear this guy? You want to hear him pop out here for a second? Here, this is what we got here. Here's a company, WWE. Just last, this, no, last year, in 2020, the company that laid off a bunch of their staff and talent over the course of the year in a pandemic to only turn around and make more money than the company has ever made in its existence. And it's not because they made those cuts that the company was able to make that much money. Those salaries didn't even weren't weren't even close to creating the value, the money that WWE created last year. So the question that I ask here, right now, as a guy who's sitting around looking at this, looking at all this money and saying, "Good move, WWE." I mean, these are all great moves for the business, but who's going to benefit from all this new money? Where's all this money going to end up in? More drones for the Thunderdome, perhaps? On top of that, guys and gals, where is all this merchandise being hoarded? Because that's what they do. They hoard wealth. That's what WWE does. They don't give back. They're not good corporate citizens. Don't be fooled. Their partnerships that they have with Make-A-Wish and uh, uh, Susan B. Komen and all that, 
they're not they're they're basically donating their time wrestlers time in what is essentially pr stunts and i don't want to diminish that type of of goodwill but that's not the definition of giving back to your community it can be part of it but that's all they that's all they rest upon where does all this money go who benefits from it it's not going to be us as fans we're not suddenly going to see a reduction of a, a basic reduction of merchandise like suddenly everything is 20% cheaper because they're passing their savings on to us or whatever that's not it it's still a greedy greedy company that is making money hand over fist has just guaranteed another billion dollars for itself over the past five years and they are still going to continue to make inane amounts of money And they're still not going to act to promote value to their customers, i.e. you and I, all of us, the wrestling fans. They're just going to continue what they're doing. So, yes, fantastic business move. Can't take that away. It's uh, probably the smartest thing they could have done. But... The McMahons are making a lot of money and they're just sitting on it. It's a weird, weird thing. Stellar, Justin Lopez. 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 I don't know if you've ever watched Kids in the Hall. Lopez. Left the super chat. Thank you very much, Justin. He says, all house shows are is rehearsal. I stopped going to them years ago. When I went to a house show the night before the pay-per-view and the pay-per-view ran the same finishes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you're absolutely right. And I also understand that it's a it's a moment where the wrestlers get to have a little more fun, right? It's a little looser. There's no cameras. There's no uh, network timing. Like it, they get to, they get to be a little more wrestlers, but it's not necessarily the most exciting stuff. And yes, they test some stuff out, but how much do you put in research and development, which is essentially what this is, what a house show is, if you're not, if you're making zero returns over it. And if fans like you, stellar Justin Lopez, <laughs> come uh, goes and watches a pay-per-view after going to see a house show, and you're like, Christ, man, that's the show I just saw two nights ago or the night before. You know. And stellar Justin Lopez, Left us another super chat as well. He says, Kong over Zilla, book it, hashtag, no one bows to Kong. Wait, what? No one bows to Kong? I agree. No one bows to Kong because Kong is a loser. He is a monkey. A monkey, monkey, smelly, dirty monkey probably has lice because there's no fucking monkey big enough to go and groom him. There's no other big, fat, ugly Kong to go around and sit behind him and, and, eat, and eat the lice and go through its gorilla, its huge gorilla strands of hair and, and eat all the lice. Huh? That's right. I'm not going on another Godzilla rant again. <laughs> 
just before we close things up, folks, I don't know if you heard um, the uh, we had uh, the uh, the uh, I want to talk about it last week, but, you know, things happen. The Dark Side of the Ring season three is starting to shape up. They're going uh, with 14 episodes this season. That's really cool. I'm glad that it's getting some uh, some uh, some traction. Clearly, it's doing good business uh, for Vice. I'm excited for it. Uh, as we uh, at um, uh, and it's been it's been reported right now that they have uh, material shot for quite a few episodes as it stands right now. This is what we have. Uh, this is what we have lined up uh, this year. Uh, Brian Pillman, which is going to be a tragically uh fascinating a tale to tell absolutely xpw don't know if you guys remember that that was the uh the promotion that was owned by a porn company and whose female roster was made up of actual porn stars that was an absolute mess for the short short time it existed um there's going to be a story on the time wcw in new japan held a super show in Pyongyang, North Korea in the 90s. And I've heard Eric Bischoff talk about this on uh, on addition of, on an addition of his podcast. But oh my god, like if if we get the investigative journalism of uh of Dark Side of the Ring and people start really digging into it, I am stoked to to hear more, find out some really gritty shit North Korea, WCW, New Japan. Can you imagine? Blows your mind. There's going to be one on Nick Gage, which will be interesting. FMW as well. FMW, uh, famous uh, hardcore promotion in Japan. Um, Onita, Cactus Jack, Terry Funk. You've probably seen. If you if you've never seen matches from FMW back in the '90s, then you you've seen the footage of the exploding barbed wire rings and shit like that. That'll be really really interesting. Um, there's going to be a, a ma- um, not a match, but an episode on the late Bruiser Bedlam, who had a um, a, a career in professional wrestling and then uh, got involved in motorcycle gangs and got uh, arrested for murder and extortion. It's going to be something. Uh, we're also going to have one on the Smith family, um, Grizzly Smith specifically. Uh, maybe the name doesn't ring a bell, but he is the father of. Jake Roberts, Sam Houston, and Rockin' Robin. Um, that's going to be a hard watch uh, because to say that uh, his kids had a strained relationship with him is, to put it mildly, um, Smith um, Smith lived his gimmick. Uh, never let on to his kids that, uh, that uh, wrestling was uh, kayfabe. So he was he was always always in kayfabe. Jake Roberts mentioned that uh, you know his father beat him, and he was one of the, it's one of the reasons why um, why um, he got it. He um, uh, he became a substance abuser. Rock and Robin also accused her father of sexually uh, molesting her as well. It's not going to be a pretty story, um, but uh, hopefully there's you know there's some. There's some um, uh, something cathartic that can happen to everyone that was involved here through this episode, but it's going to be a rough one. And we're also going to get an episode on Chris Canyon. 
Oh, that one's going to be another heartbreaker, isn't it? Chris Canyon was taken from us so much too soon. A guy who was just before his time, too much before his time. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. And you know what? I'm still crossing my fingers for, hoping that we get a Wendy Richter uh, episode, because I want to hear everything that happened to Richter in the '80s, how she was positioned right up there. Uh, at the height of the uh, rock and roll, uh, what was it? Rock and roll connection. What I can't remember how Vince used to call it. You know, with Cindy Lauper, she was involved in that angle uh, with uh, Lou Albano and, and rock and wrestling. Excuse, yes, rock and wrestling. But it wasn't a connection. There was something. There was the rock and wrestling. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, I, like I want to hear. I want to hear about all of that. How how Mula just fucked her over. Oh, that's such a good story. And I think a lot of people don't realize just how bad Wendy Richter got fucked over in WWE F at the time. I don't think I don't think people realize it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this is uh, how, how this season is going to continue. And I mean, what? These are just a few episodes. Fourteen on the way. I'm excited. I, I thought season two was great. I'm looking forward to season three. And I'm looking forward to coming back here on the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. to do Royal Rumble predictions with the Brothers of Discussion. We're going to be joining me. It's going to be a good time. So come and come and we'll talk about the Rumble. We'll talk about predictions. That'll be fun. Start off your Saturday on a good on good footing, 11 a.m., Eastern time right here or pick up the podcast whenever you can. That's also really cool. Otherwise, I will be back uh, tomorrow evening uh, at uh, 7.30 p.m. to do the uh, slate, the lead-in, the pre-show for uh, for SmackDown tomorrow night on Friday. And don't forget to go to belltobells.com and check out Kristen Ashley's interview with Nina Samuels, NXT UK superstar. It's a good one. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And so is Nina Samuels. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for joining for joining me this evening. It's always a good time. Thank you, everyone who joined us in the chat. Thank you for liking the video. If you haven't already, please think about doing it. I'm gonna sign off on this. Heading over to the Patreon now. Have a great week. If we don't see each other again, folks, we'll see you next time. <laughs>